didn't say morning. Morning. Wonderful. Okay, so we're going to continue our short series on doxologies. These are short bursts of praise and worship and also truth uh, that come into the Bible from time to time when the writer is uh, almost overwhelmed with God and just bursts into uh, worship and praise. Um, those who were here last week, that was a wonderful time, wasn't it? Uh, Rochelle was speaking on what, Psalm 150, and actually we did just that at the end. Uh, such a great time of worship and praise at the end, where we just, just went into with uh, uh, worship with the sound of cymbal and keyboard. Amen. Which is not quite what the Bible says, but it'll do. Because, uh, you it know, be, a liar, it will do, a liar. It used to be stringed. Stringed, yeah, yeah, sort of, yeah. But, uh, yeah, if you were here, like, I'd, it was such a wonderful time, just to go into, and almost uh, living out what these doxologies are about, just an overflow of praise. Um, this time, this week, we're going to look at um, the doxology at the end of Jude. I'm just going to raise this a bit. Uh, now, Jude's an interesting book. It's very short. It's one chapter. Uh, that's the sort of books I like. Really. <laughs> I'm not a brilliant reader. Um, but if you read the book of Jude, it's very interesting because it's actually uh, it's basically saying one thing. He wrote it for a reason. And it's quite downbeat. Um, he's actually warning the church about people that will come in or are coming into the church to disrupt him and to bring in false teaching uh, to uh, cause the um, people of God to trip up um, and to take them away from the true gospel. Um, so just to read one passage... Uh, Jude, uh, you haven't got this um, on there, but uh, Jude 12 and 13, uh, Jude is talking about, he says, These people are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, Wandering stars for whom the blackest darkness has been reserved forever. I mean, that is a bad description of these people. And, and the, the letter goes on, and he's just saying, be careful. These people are going to come amongst you. Watch out for them. And, um, and you, could, you could be forgiven for the readers thinking, oh my word, what am I going to do? And getting really worried. Uh, and, and, and indeed, th- these were real issues that were facing the church at the time. They, they were real things. People who weren't saved were manipulating the gospel for their own ends and um, causing others to have real problems and real difficulties. Um, and as I was thinking about this, uh, it, it came to me that actually the first thing we learned from Jude is that... What, how he ends... Now, this is the, the verses we're going to look at... Actually, do you want to put those up, um, Darren? Just to, These verses come right at the end of the book. They're verses 24 and 25. And he ends with this burst of praise. And, and it's, it struck me that actually Jude is setting a wonderful example for us. And I believe God has been speaking to us in the worship just about that. And that it is quite simply this, that whatever the circumstances, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, worship is the right response. And, 
And I love that song that we sang. I've no, I haven't heard it before. So, uh, I'll raise a hallelujah. What a wonderful song that is. Because it talks about, in that, it talks about what I'm going through the storm, I'm going through the difficult time, when I'm going through the, the tough time. I'm going to worship. Amen. And Jude here is, 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 it's right that he points out this difficulty, but he doesn't want to leave his people, the people he's writing, in that place. He wants to leave them <coughs> at a place of worship. He wants to bring them to a place of actually, this is, this is where you are going to be safe. This is where you are going to know the, 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 uh, the provision of God. It's in worship. So whether you're going through a brilliant time, whether you're going, you know, we, we love, uh, Katrina and I love going for walks, we love watching, um, uh, you know, walking along the countryside and seeing, um, you know, the, 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 the nature and all that. And that so often leads us to worship because it's just glorious and wonderful. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, when, when we have good news, when God provides in, in miraculous ways, that leads us uh, rightly to thanksgiving and worship. Um, but Jude is saying, actually, in all circumstances, at every time, in the middle of the most difficult time, come and worship. The examples of David, when he, uh, when he was uh, praying and, and uh, he's asking God to save his son, and, and through the circumstances, his, his baby son died. And his first response was to go into the temple of God and worship. And in the most difficult and trying of circumstances... That is our place to be. That is the only place to be. It's the only right response. And, uh, and it brings us into the presence of God. That is why, because we won't find it. We often find that when we're in difficult circumstances and difficulties, we, we recoil, or we get angry, or we, we start shouting, God, why is this happening? Why are you, why are you yes. doing this? And that can be our, 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 and that's a natural response. Or we can just hide away and, and lick our wounds and say, "Oh, this is awful." You know, I'm just going to just, you know, uh, just stop coming to church for a few weeks because it's just too painful. And and we can do all those sort of things, and we can understand why people do that. But actually, what what God's solution for us is to worship Him. And in this season, I believe, you know, through the, uh, the the picture I had of the sea, God is calling us because it's those who know Him will come and worship. Those who understand what he truly is like. And because circumstances will shout at you, God isn't good. Circumstances at times will say to you, God isn't, isn't with you. The, the, the people that Jude is talking to could have said, well, why God? Why are you letting these people come in? Sort it out. Why are you doing this? Why aren't you stopping them? They could have, they could have moaned and complained at God and said, you should, you should stop it happening. But, but instead, Judy said, well, it, it's going to happen. These things happen. Um, I'm not explaining why. I'm not, I'm not, what I'm saying is what you need to do is go to God and worship him and encounter him because he is good. He is glorious. He is wonderful. And it's there you will find your solution. There you will find your rest. There you will find everything that you need. And it's not in your own solutions. It's not in getting angry, as, as understandable as that might be. And so this is the first lesson really we can learn from the book of Jude is that every circumstance, the appropriate response is worship and praise. And I encourage you. And that song, I'll raise a hallelujah, says that so well. So let's read what uh, Jude has put down. I'm sure you've had a chance to read it while I've been talking. So this, the last couple of verses in Jude says this, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling... 
and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God our Saviour be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. It's a wonderful, uh, just short verse and it's got so much in it and we're just going to have a a chance in these few moments just to have a look at some of those bits in more detail. So the first bit, now to him who is able to guard you or to keep you from stumbling. This is a really important statement and uh, this is an important statement for every believer who wants to live a life for God who wants to avoid sin, who wants to uh, fulfil the call that God has put on his life, or her life. And it's this, that it is God who guards us from stumbling. He has promises in his word about making our paths straight, making, uh, getting away, uh, moving about all the, the stuff in our way, making the valleys uh, raise up. Um, and... Uh, making our way straight, ensuring that we can stand on the heights. There's, various, there's a number of passages in the Psalms and throughout the Bible that talks about God making our path able and straight and good. And this is what this is saying here, that he is able to guard us from stumbling. And it's important for us to realise this because we can have the idea that actually as Christians we've got to stop ourselves sinning. Now, to an extent, that's true. We are called to uh, guard our hearts and our minds. We're called to uh, live a life worthy of the calling we've received, and so on. But what we mustn't do is get so concerned and tied up that we get into works mentality to say, I will avoid sin at all costs, in the sense that we work at our salvation. That we go to a point where we are so concerned that we, we have a list of do's and don'ts, and I avoid this, and I don't do this, and I don't do this, and I do do this, and I do do this, and I do do this, and I'm doing it so that I can stop myself sinning. And as much as those things are, you know, there are some wise ways of living, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we, we don't take any responsibility for our lives, we do. But we mustn't get so tied up that we become legalistic yeah. in trying to avoid sin. Yeah. Because that's not what Jesus says he's going to do. Jesus says, I'm going to stop you from stumbling. I'm going to stop you from falling. I am going to be the hedge around you. I'm going to be the one that protects you. Because you're not able. You're not strong enough. Only with me, only with my Holy Spirit within you, are you able to do this. But let me tell you, you are able to do it. I can stop you from stumbling. And so we, when we want to live a life for God... We need to go back to these verses and understand what is he saying. So if my job isn't to put so many things in place that I don't sin, because ultimately that won't work, what is my job? Well, actually, it's in the few verses before um, that he says this, in verse 20 and 21. If you could put that uh, up, Darren, if you're there, yes. It says there, in just a few verses before, it says, But you, dear friends... By building yourself up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. You see, our responsibility 
is not to do everything within our power to stop sinning in one sense, although, we, as I say, we have a responsibility. Our role, our job in this, is to keep ourselves in the love of God. Do you know what? That is so much easier to do. That is so much more fulfilling. That actually what my calling is, is to every, every circumstance, every situation, to find myself mm. in the love of God. To pursue him. So to be in his love. Yes. To be lost in that. And do you know what? That gives us power. That gives us... A, and when we're in that situation, sin doesn't feel so appealing. It really doesn't. He transforms our hearts and our minds so that when we are faced with sin, we don't want to do it because we're so taken up with him. And that is his way. So our responsibility is to get close to him, whether it be in worship, whether it be uh, through reading the word of God, whether it be as you walk down the street, you talk to him. Those five or ten minutes where we are just communing with God. And uh, and this, this is a place of rest, it's a place of joy, it's a place of hope and it's, and it's what God calls us to keep yourself in my love keep yourself in the love of God and that is a key for us to living the life for God it's a key for us not sinning it's a key for us not uh, tripping up because when we're in his love God's grace abounds and he protects us and keeps us from stumbling, that is his promise to us Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 carries a similar theme. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. It's a verse that I grew up with as a child. I love it. because it's, And that acknowledge him is, 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 is a sense of coming to him and, 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 and encountering him and being with him. It's not simply a head knowledge of knowing, I know about God. It's an encounter with him. And so the, 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 the writer of Proverbs is saying, come and meet with him and he will make your paths straight. And so it's a wonderful uh, encouragement to us to come into his presence and to remain in the love of God. But the next bit of the verse is, I think, an even greater truth. And, uh, and I want to use an illustration that uh, I think I've used before, but... Uh, it helps hopefully to, to make the point and I want to take you back to last Sunday and um, if you can picture our front room at four o'clock uh, I was uh, there with the television on anticipating this wonderful game of football about to start you knew this was coming <coughs> but of course I'm there knowing that knowing the team that I support Crystal Palace has its moments of wonder but much more is moments of fear and trepidation we were playing one of the top teams of the country Spurs I don't know if you, any of you probably not interested but I'm going to tell you anyway no we're not <laughs> <laughs> and we were there and, uh, and we started well we did, we did alright <coughs> Uh, and yet things started to go, you know, we were, we were, we would, we'd gone ahead and, and, and yet you just know, when you've supported Crystal Palace for so long, you just know there's going to be a moment where it's all going to go wrong. <laughs> and that moment came just before half-time when we gave away a silly penalty. And my heart sank and I thought, oh, I've seen this before. I know what's going to happen. And anxiety came in and... 
and 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 it was yeah. Anyway, fast forward about five hours. I am there in front of the television again, ready to watch the highlights. You can't get enough of Crystal Palace, let me tell you. <laughs> this time, the mood is completely different. I am there with my cup of tea, or whatever it was, and I was relaxed, and I was happy, and I was, I was full of anticipation, and I was not worried because I was watching the match and I wasn't worried that we gave away a penalty. I wasn't worried that someone at the end got sent off. I wasn't worried about that. Because I knew we'd won. I already knew when I was watching it, second time, that we'd won. Mm. So the fact that I'd, we, the, the team had messed up a few times, the fact that they'd given away a few stupid fouls, the fact they'd done some silly things, didn't matter. Because the result was that we won. And this is what this verse is about. It tells us the end result. Amen. It tells us the end result. Let's read that. It says in verse 24. Can we go, go back to 24? Thank you. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Isn't that wonderful? That is our destiny. That is what will happen to every single child of God. We will be presented before the glorious presence of God without fault and with great joy. We can look at our lives, we can look at what's going on and we can think, I've messed up terribly. I've made such a mess of this. I've given away so many fouls. I've given away penalties. I've scored an own goal so many times. How on earth is this going to turn out? This verse tells us we're going to win. The word faultless there is, and I love this, is unblemished. Unblemished. We can go through life and we can mess up and we can have our copybook blemished in one of the verses, uh, or one of the work not verses, one of our sort of expressions. Uh, we, can, we can be tarnished by what has gone on in our lives. And we can, we can carry that. And we can think, oh, do you know what? If only I hadn't done that, my life would have turned out differently. I would think it would have been uh, different. But when we are in heaven we will be presented unblemished. Our blemishes won't simply be covered up or covered over or or ignored. No, they're not there. There are no blemishes on us when we get presented before the, the glorious presence of God. They will have been done away with. Because at the cross, Jesus did away with everything that was against us. He dealt with our sin, past, present and future. And so when we're in the game and we mess up, and when we, when we get it wrong, because although we have a wonderful God who protects us from stumbling, all of us at times, for whatever reason, do stumble. We do get it wrong. We do mess up. But in the end, in the end, we get presented faultless before God. We are unblemished. And he, we are there with great joy. And... It's a wonderful truth. 
And it's something we can declare to our enemy. We can use this verse as a declaration. When he accuses us, you didn't do that very well, did you? When, when, when we get to half time and someone says, really, you, you messed up terribly there. You know, we can, we can go to him, yeah. I haven't got this, I'm not perfect, I haven't got this right all the time, but you know what? I'm going to be presented faultless. Because in the end, we win. And I'm going to declare that to you, Satan, because whatever you say to me, I am unblemished before the Father. I'm unblemished. It's a wonderful truth. It's a wonderful thing to, to calm our hearts when, well, when we have stumbled, when we have tripped up. The other thing, which is uh, amazing, is it says we're presented faultless and with great joy. And you think, well, yeah, I'm going to be so joyful when that happens. But actually all commentators, when they're looking at the, the way this is worded, they're saying, well, actually, it's not just our joy. This is God's joy. This is God's joy. There is going to be a celebration in heaven that is amazing when you get presented. He is going to be overjoyed when you'll get there. And I don't know about you, but, but I think sometimes that, that actually when I get to heaven, I'm just going to sort of go around the back and get in there so that when, when God sees me, he says, oh, I've said you can come in, all right then. <laughs> I can't, I'm not going to change my mind now, but really... Uh, <laughs> Or, or you start sneaking around the back and says, oh, where are you going? I don't think so. <laughs> That's not what it's like. It's not, it's not going to be what it's like at all. Everyone who is a child of God will be presented faultless and God will erupt with joy. Amen. Isn't that amazing? Our God, the glorious one, the majestic one, when you are presented to him, will be overjoyed. Yes. You're my precious one. I've waited for this moment. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to sing. Heaven is going to burst into joy and, and, and celebration because you're here. Because you are being presented to me. That's every child of God. No exceptions. doesn't matter that you messed up. It doesn't matter yeah. that you gave away a penalty. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because he will present you faultless. Jesus will present you faultless. And with great joy. So wonderful. It's such a wonderful truth that Jude expounds here. It's captured in one of the greatest, one of the great hymns. I haven't sung it for, for ages, but... Um, uh, and can it be, I'm sure many of you know, and can it be that I should gain an interest in the Saviour's love? Died he for me? who caused his pain for me, who him to death pursues. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? It's amazing truth. It's amazing. He loves us so much. He gave himself for us that we would be presented for us before the throne of God.
let that wonderful truth rest with you because it will help you in all the different circumstances that you face that whatever you've done, whatever happens in your life, you will be presented faultless before the throne of God. Such is his love for you. Just to finish, um, can't really do this, this justice, but just to go into just that last verse, verse 25. To the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Having gone through this amazing truth, having, having tried to, or taken his readers away from the immediate issues that he has to face, and telling them about the wonderful, uh, glorious salvation, he then goes on just to a place of worship to his glorious and our glorious God. And he uses words which I guess we all know, but just trying to understand the depth of them is, is, will take a lifetime. But just when he talks about glory to God, it's talking about his amazing qualities, everything uh, that is wonderful about him. It's his, it's his uh, beauty, his holiness his purity, his, his goodness, his love. Everything that, that gives us hope in our hearts, everything that we, when we approach him, we receive from him, that is all that he contains. And when we see him with all his goodness and love and beauty, we see him in his glory. Yes. And it is something that is worthy of worship and praise. When we contemplate what he is like, when we contemplate how he has been to us. We want to give him glory because of who he is. And it's reflected um, in the word around us. We reflected in what he's made as well. And we can, as we are doing that, it's so important for us to, to know what happens in worship, that when we approach him, we are transformed ourselves. When we, when we see his glory, when we recognise his glory, when we are in that place of worship, we get transformed. And we start reflecting that glory to the world. And, and uh, we get transformed more and more. So that the world through us will see the glory of God. And we carry that glory with us. And so as we, each time we do, each time we come in worship, this is, this isn't, oh, it's great, isn't it? It's wonderful, it just refreshes us. But do you know what? You have, in that time of worship, you have been transformed. Such that when you go out, you will reflect the glory of God to those of you. That doesn't mean to get it, sometimes we we don't reflect it, but actually more and more as we spend time in, in worship and praise to God, we will glorify him in the world. And that's what God wants, that we reflect his glory to others. Talks about majesty. This is the splendour that God deserves as King of the universe and of all existence. And it's a picture. If you, uh, you know, uh, I think we do it quite well in this country in terms of, uh, uh, you know, the coronations and, and that regalness and that majesty when uh, the king or queen is dressed in the crown and and it walks down these amazing churches and and there's a sense of awe and majesty. And yet, how much more? in the presence of God. He is king. And he is in a royal throne. He's on a royal throne. He's covered in royal robes. He is majestic. Uh, and again, it's reflected in some of creation. If you, uh, you know, go and, and see you know, a, a mighty mountain, and it's majestic as it stands there. 
or, or, a, or a lion roaring or, or any, any amazing thing in, uh, in creation can declare the majesty of God and, and we're just saying when we declare his majesty we are recognising as king as glorious um, as the, the, the ultimate ruler the one who is in total uh, charge the last one to power and authority. Again, they all mix together. Jude is just sort of overflowing with praise. Power, the ultimate uh, control over the world of everything. He is the one ultimately in charge. He's not, uh, he's not vying with Satan. He never has done. He never will do. He is in ultimate authority over everything. Um, he's able to do what he wants. He does whatever he pleases. He is the one that we come to. And we recognise this in his glory, in his majesty, in his power and authority. And it helps us to know who we are worshipping. It's so important we recognise him for who he is. Because when we come to him, all the doubts about our, our lives can just melt away. Because we know he is in charge. We know he is king. Yeah. We know he has authority. We know he has power. We may not understand our circumstances. We may not understand why we're in this. Yeah. But we go to the source of all hope and all power and all authority. And we rest in yeah. him. Yeah. And we trust him. <laughs> and as we get to know him, and he's inviting us more and more into that, as we get to know him, so we will yes. find worship, that place of rest and yes. hope and, uh, and uplifting that he wants it to be. And as we worship, so we encounter God and are lifted ourselves. And at the end, again, we looked at this a couple of weeks ago, it uh, declares his eternity before all ages, now and forevermore. This isn't going to finish. He's not going to stop being God in a few years' time. He's not going to, when we get to heaven, he's not going to say, oh, I can't do it anymore. He, our security, our future is absolutely secured because God is God before all times, now and forever. He's never ever going to diminish. He's never going to stop being God. He's never going to stop being your God, the one who protects you, the one who loves you, the one who is for you. So when we declare these truths, we are raising him in our minds. We are remembering that actually uh, it's him that we go to. And it's so... Uh, Jude is just saying to us to just have a big view of God. Have a big understanding of God. Have a big knowledge of God. Have a big encounter with God. Because in all these circumstances, whatever's going on, that is what will keep you. That is what will help you to, to stand and to keep going in whatever comes against you. And so that's why we want to make so much of worship. Because there we encounter the living God. We encounter yeah. him who is glorious above all. And it's there we find our rest and our hope and our strength. Uh, not in the world, it cannot do it. Not in things, it cannot, they cannot provide what we need. Not in even other people, as wonderful as they are in God's provision. Ultimately, our strength and our hope comes only from him. And, uh, and that's what we uh, worship, that's why we worship, that's why we draw close to God. I just want to spend a few moments just, uh, let me just close our eyes I just want to pray 
think God just wants to meet with a few people mm. in a few situations as we, as we close today. So I was praying about this. I just felt God saying about people who are, are concerned about the future. What is going to happen how are they going to make the right choice? How are they going to choose the right path? How are they going to make sure they've got a big decision maybe? I don't know what it is, but I believe God, there's a few people here that maybe are concerned about what's going to happen in the future. And God will say to you that he will keep you from stumbling. He will keep you from stumbling. He will make your path straight. You, your responsibility is not to work out the ins and outs is to come and to remain in his love. That's what he calls you to do right now. Come right now and remain in his love. Draw close to him. Let his love surround you. Let his love enfold you. <coughs> Let the peace of God come and flood your heart right now and not worry about the future. He's got that. He's got that. He's promised to keep you from stumbling in it. So let that be comfort and a hope to you.